I think a lot of us, I think we shut off our light when we're younger, when things maybe don't make sense, or, you know, I was one of the too sensitive ones or the, the too much one. And I think those of us who've experienced that, we tend to be the brightest lights for other people because of our, our paths in life. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey friends, welcome back to the Art Infused Life podcast. That was the voice of Anne Almeida, this week's guest. Anne was a really wonderful guest, and I really think that you're going to enjoy her story so very much. It's so tender and genuine and open, and it was just really easy to connect with her, even though um, neither Dawn and I actually had um, very much interaction with her before. She shares a story of her healing journey, particularly in the post-divorce era, as she was kind of rediscovering her inner artist's child. She also talks a lot about how important it is to balance both the feminine and masculine energy um, within a person uh, for a really beautiful life. And as such, she's really working in energy healing um, modalities as well. Anne is also one of the contributing authors to the Creative Life book. And if you haven't heard about this remarkable book yet, It has won the number one international bestseller status in six countries. It is number one in the U.S. in over 23, maybe 25 different categories, including a couple of big ones. And it recently became the number five best new fiction or sorry, best new nonfiction release of all the nonfiction releases. Welcome to the Art Infused Life Podcast. I'm Dawn Beauvais, a soulful light illuminating my innermost emotions with intuitive abstract art. I'm also a nurse practitioner focusing on addiction medicine and mental health wellness. And I'm Lynn Mazzolini. I'm a sensitive intuitive painter of feminine expression and I'm a chemistry professor with a fascination for the technical aspects of art materials. This podcast explores the emotional elements behind art and the art making process. Our intention is to inspire you and elevate your life with the unspoken power of art. We'll be here weekly. Now let's get started. Today we're meeting with Anne. What's your last, how do you say your last name, Anne? I don't want to get it wrong. Oh, no, you're fine. It's Almeida. Anne Almeida. Okay. Lynn and I have never talked with Anne before, but by the power of social media, we have now met. And I I got a little bit of a backstory from Anne. You've traveled a lot. Um, You've gotten into art a little bit later in life, Mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Yes. And um, just from talking to you a minute ago, I discovered that you have a computer science background. How <laughs> cool is that? Yeah, I think it's awesome. <laughs> I yeah, I'm I'm very jealous. But let's get started. And um, I'd like you to, you know, kind of segue into how you started in the computer software and then how you migrated toward art. Oh, wow. A soulful need to migrate towards art was where that came in. Um, You know, I went to college and wanted to be a physician. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to help people. And tests were not my thing. And um, my father was very good at trying to help us avoid disappointments. And he kind of pulled me aside and he's like, honey, you know, tests aren't your thing. You're setting yourself up for a lot of stress. And he he always wanted us to avoid stress. And so I went the computer science route because I, it was a class that I could do. And it wasn't as hard for me as it was for other people. It was still a challenge, but it wasn't as hard. So I was like, okay, I'll do this. Cause my goal was just to be employed and to get a job. And I never asked my question of, myself, what do I want to do in life? That was not part of the question. It was who's going to want me to work for them. So I need to have a degree that can help me get there. And that was kind of how I started on my professional career. Um, And I worked with 
I worked for accounting firms for 25 years. I've never taken an accounting class in my life. I slept through, it was an eight o'clock class in college and I slept through the first two classes and I was like, oh, okay, we're going to drop that one. (laughs) But I was a software developer for um, one of the big four firms when I first started out and worked with healthcare and financial regulations, federal regulations for hospitals with Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement. It was very much not a part of my soul, <laughs> but it was a job and it was a good job. And it, it you know, kept bills paid and things of that nature. And um, through various moves with my husband at the time, um, I ended up working for PwC, another company for 18 years. And I had five babies along the way, five amazing, beautiful souls that I was lucky that I feel blessed enough to, um, but they're just, they're amazing. <laughs> My kids, I could go on a tangent with them because I'm amazed every day that I created these people, but life happened and I got divorced and I was so used to taking care of five humans all the time, plus working 60 hours. And all of a sudden I had free time and I didn't know what to do with myself. I had no idea how to take care of myself. That was not even part of my endeavor, but I picked up a pencil. And I remembered when I was little that I was actually pretty good at art. It was one of those things where it was like, it came kind of naturally. And I remember my art teacher, Miss McKellar in Lexington, Kentucky, she told me, she said, if you ever want to draw something, flip it upside down and just take it one square at a time, look at the lines. And so that was kind of my first introduction back into the subconscious mind and the conscious mind and how art plays into all of it. And so I started drawing and just kind of doodling and then life took some more turns and I was in a, um, in a, an abusive relationship. And the aftermath of that brought me to paint. (laughs) There was everything around me was falling apart. Everything like my job that just literally everything was falling apart and I needed something. I needed that creative outlet to feel like I could do something right. And I'd started doing a lot of work with the subconscious mind and becoming a healer and taking different courses. And um, while I was doing that, they kind of helped me figure out where to focus my energy. And a lot of that, that's, that's where the art came into play. And I left my job at PwC last May to become a healer and a coach and an artist full time and just see kind of where, where the path of the universe was going to take me. And that's where I am today. (laughs) Incredible. I wanted to say by doing these podcasts and, and talking with a lot of artists and connecting with them, one thing I've discovered is those of us who have been able to transform really brutal, painful life experiences, um, come out the brightest, shiniest people. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. And so true. And, you know, my, my feeling is, um, and I just, I wanted to clarify because, you know, there are some, some of you out there listening that may, Oh, healer. When we speak of healing, it's not me, right? Mm -hmm. We are, harnessing source something bigger than us and using our bodies or our souls or our energy whatever you want to call it as a conduit of that energy to help others yes so um it could be uh yeah you know a healer can be anybody it can be a religious figure it can be a healing figure, uh, someone that that draws or produces beautiful artwork for people. It's um, it's such a it's it's a broad term, but I do believe that is that there are certain people that are called to mm-hmm. that type of work, mm-hmm. and um, and you're one of them. So. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it was, you know, I I started on my healing journey for myself and for my kids. And um, I never imagined what could come of that and the impact that I could make on other people. And it's just, 
I think a lot of us, I think we shut off our light when we're younger, when things maybe don't make sense, or, you know, I was one of the too sensitive ones or the, the too much one. And I think those of us who've experienced that, we tend to be the brightest lights for other people because of our, our paths in life. So, yeah. 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 I just was thinking that, um, sometimes, I mean, it's a smaller thing, but I think sometimes, yeah, I could even consider myself a little bit of a healer just by listening. Not that I, you know, necessarily recommend anything or, um, I still have some of my own healing to do, but empathy is really powerful. And Mm -hmm. I think that when people are familiar with pain or they've experienced pain, their empathy bucket just grows. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to say too, Lynn, um, don't, don't underestimate yourself because that work that you do about the feminine um, spirit, the feminine energy, um, that is really powerful stuff. Mm. I mean, very powerful stuff. And oh, thank you. People are drawn to it, um, especially when you talk about it and explain, you know, and we get that energetic exchange and and it, it's big stuff, not small, big mm-hmm. stuff. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that's huge for everybody to recognize and realize is the power we have for ourselves and the power we have for other people and the influence that we have on other people. Um, I think a lot of people who identify as being empaths or who have the ability to put themselves in other people's shoes. The one thing I would say too, though, is that you need to give yourself that same compassion and celebrate yourself in the same way that you celebrate other people. Because that's one thing that I've seen. Like I've always had this ability to put myself in other people's shoes and understand their perspective, but not give myself the same grace. And so that's been a big, a big learning step. Cause I think, I think we all have light within us. And that's the light that helps other people just being around other people. Yeah. And healthy boundaries. I mean, that's been my um it's been the message that I have been receiving over the past few weeks. And it really came to a head probably a week and a half ago um, about me working on, you know, I can have a lot of empathy and I do, but you know, where I get my energy drained and sucked away is when I don't have that healthy boundary. And it happens more time. It, I guess it happens more times than I realize even. Mm -hmm. So I've really been trying to focus on keeping that healthy boundary because, you know, we can't save the world, Mm -hmm. Um, but we can keep ourselves safe with our ring hula hoop of light around us. And I think too, one thing that comes in with boundaries, because boundaries in the beginning used to kind of scare me in a little bit because it was like, oh, I got to say no to people and I got to set up these boundaries and these hard walls. And I, and, and being a former people pleaser, that didn't, that didn't sit right. But one of the things that I noticed is when I fill my cup up first. So before I get to that depleted point, before I get to the need for those boundaries, if I'm in a, a good, healthy state and my cup is filled first, those boundaries aren't as hard to put into place because the need for them doesn't come up as much. It doesn't arise as often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not even a cup anymore. I Ooh, used to yeah. think of it as a cup. Ooh, now, I, now I think of myself as a um, electrical cord. Yes. Always flowing, you know? Yes. Oh, Always yeah. flowing. I like, I like that. And what are you plugged into? Right. Yeah. Well, they're also, we connect emotional cords to each other. Are you all familiar with cords? Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell us. So think about when you walk into, when you walk into a grocery store or when you walk into a room and it just feels heavy, you feel that you're like, Ooh, I don't, I don't want, I don't know what's going on in there. I don't think I want to go back in that room or I want to leave that store. And, you know, we all have emotional cords that are connecting us to different individuals in our proximity or 
all over the world. I mean, we're all part of a collective conscious. And with these cords, one of the things that you can do, especially, well, I shouldn't say anybody can do this. Anybody can feel this, but is you can cut these cords and cutting the cord is not cutting off their lifeline. It's not cutting off anything. It's just breaking that emotional connection to you. But one of the biggest things that I think gets lost sometimes is what you take out or what you cut off. You want to replenish with your beautiful hula hoop of love and light, like you said. So that's one big, that was a big game changer for me when I realized the emotional cords that I had cut or energetic cords, I should say. I call them emotional cords because I feel like they're so much tied to my heartstrings, but I guess they are technically energetic cords. You want to know something funny? What? I have been listening to cord cutting meditations at night for the past week and a half. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I love it when the universe, thank you. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. I think yeah. it's something everybody can struggle with, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's true. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the first time I, well, I maybe heard the term about cord cutting before, but, um, but I, I heard something about it last week. Um, Don and I were in the same uh, meeting that I was really hearing it. And I was like, it starts to make sense. But now listening to you, and it also helps me um, understand why people behave differently in different situations. Oh, yes. Um, and I think it has to do with, you know, who they're plugged into at that particular moment or who they feel that they need to be energetically or emotionally in that particular space. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of the time, I mean, it's that that age-old expression. It, it, so many things are mirror images for us to see and possibly see what needs to be healed. Like I'll see things come up with my kids. And if it's something that triggers me or something that is, I, I can look back and see that it's a reflection of something that is within me to be healed. So um, if you look at like just a simple example <laughs> with my youngest daughter, when she had to go and get glasses, um, she's very much my spitting image. She's this little ball of light. No, she's, she's so cool. But um, when she went to get her glasses, my ex-husband knew that I'd had very traumatic experiences with glasses as a child to where anytime I put any frame on my face, it would, they would turn pink because of my hair color, because my hair being red. And my mom did not like pink on red. So that was something with the colors and playing with colors, but that was an adamant thing that she was against. And when my daughter picked out her glasses, she picked out these bright purple, just friggin' crazy cool glasses, but they were very reminiscent of the ones that I had when I was younger, except they were purple instead of pink. And I remember my ex-husband sent me a text. He's like, are you, are you okay with this? Like, I, I know, I know we have some things in your past, you know, like, are you good with this? And I'm like, yes, I'm good. But being able to see her it's as her five-year-old self was able, it helped me see myself as my five-year-old self. And the way that I thought of myself at the time was not at all what was actually, I don't want to say true because it's all a matter of perspective, but being able to see her in human form and see how amazing and gorgeous she was, was massively healing for me and my inner child and how I saw myself as a child. So that was kind of a roundabout way to get back to the, but things are always, the universe wants us to heal. They want us to shine. They want our light to be bright. And so they're just little things that come along the way that are really messages for us when we choose to see them. Yeah. I call those God winks. Yes. Yes. I love it. I'm really feeling um, like saying something about my daughter teaching me a lot and what a gift it is. And because she came into our life just three years ago as a 12 year old, a lot of times people tell me, Oh, you're so, you're so good. Or you're so whatever, um, you know, for taking in, uh, her and, and it doesn't sit with me well because, um, you know, she's really been a great gift to me and it's not that she does any one thing specifically, but, she just has this really big, beautiful heart and she has an amazing resilience, um, to have survived, um, all the things that she's been through, but I've had to do a lot of inner work in order to up level, to be her mom. And that's really the big gift, mm-hmm. you know, 
and with that cup thing, you know, it is true. Like you, you really have to, you know, be patient and open to try mm -hmm. to understand what's going on with a complicated individual and everybody's complicated. Right. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. I was going to mention my, my father-in-law had written a book mm -hmm. and um, they had it out at his um, showing a few years ago. And he was not a religious man. I mean, he, he rarely would go to church with my mother-in-law who was very religious and um, the things that he wrote in this book were mind blowing. He talked about these spiritual experiences. He talked about God winks. Um, he shared a show, a story of his past, uh, where his, you know, his mother had lost, um, two children and the one, I had known about, he died in the war, mm -hmm. but the other one, um, no one talked about. And he wrote in the book that his, you know, they found this, um, young boy, um, who had died out by an oil well because he was overcome by the fumes. And he let out this blood curdling scream when he was found and then they came back to the home and and he said now we're never going to speak of this again wow and i never heard that story until i read it in the funeral home wow yeah but he wrote, you know, he wrote about all the miracles and um, the God winks that he had experienced, you know, a couple in-depth stories in his life. And, you know, I, I think that really opened my eyes to the fact that, uh, you know, we're also caught up in labels of, you know, this person's religious, this person's spiritual, this person's that. And like you said earlier, we all have the light. We mm -hmm. all have access to the light. Mm -hmm. We just have to plug in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what even as, as a, cause I am an energy healer and my oldest daughter is, um, very religious. And in the beginning, when I was talking about different healings and things, it really, it made her uncomfortable because she didn't under, because we hadn't had the conversation about it and she didn't fully understand. And when I explained to her, I was like, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of like a, a minister or a, a pastor, however you want to look at it. I'm channeling God's love to help people heal. And it's using sacred geometry and it's using different tools, but it's the same intention is is church and it, I'm, I'm not taking away from that i'm not different from that i'm not you know i mean i still enjoy going to church and believe in god you know and when she heard that i could see it kind of click in her mind and she was like oh because i think she felt like it was some woo-woo anti-religious thing and it's it's the opposite it's it's embodying god's love to help people heal and feel that unconditional love and acceptance and it's just using different tools that have been brought to our awareness to be able to use, but it's very, and so that's what I think a lot of people get, do get stuck in the labels with religion versus spirituality. We're, we're all doing the same thing. We all want to feel better in our days and we all want to feel and know that we are unconditionally loved by whatever you believe in. And there is no right or wrong. That's the, and that's, that's the biggest, there's no right or wrong. It, like people say, well, is this, did I do this right? Or did I do that right? And I'm like, well, what did you feel? And when they step back and they're like, Oh, well, that felt right. I'm like, well, then that's exactly what you should do. You know, I mean, that's it's very much leaning into who we are and, and you know, embodying that light and love for ourselves and others. Yeah, I love that. That's about like with the art. Mm -hmm. It's just it, it, you know, when you were talking, I was thinking about art, right? Mm -hmm. There's no right or wrong. <laughs> There's no, 
I, I did. I, I connected it with art because, you know, this whole mm. podcast is about the art infused life. And, and isn't that so true? There's no right or wrong way to do art. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, as we grow spiritually, emotionally, energetically, however you want to um, say it, our art evolves and changes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really is just having that courage. We were kind of speaking to that before we started recording, but it's having that courage just to put the paint on the canvas and just to see what happens. I think so, so many times we think, oh, I need to plan this out or it needs to be here. It needs to go there. And it's when you open yourself up to trusting that there is no right or wrong and let it kind of just see what happens. That I think is when the beautiful magic happens. Mm. Yeah, I I definitely do not disagree um, with either of you. I wasn't thinking about art though, and it's partly because I'm a little bit of a left brainer, and I do feel like there are a few rules. Um, like you don't put acrylic paint over oil, for example. <laughs> <laughs> you just can. Well, can there, make, there are some you, rules. Yes, there, yes. You can make some fatal mistakes, or like right now, I'm trying to figure out how to do cyanotype correctly, and apparently, there's some rules that I still have to figure out. But, um, but when you were talking about right or wrong, I was really more thinking about, you know, just really being plugged in. I think to whatever you want to call source and you know instead of there being like a whole set of rules but just being plugged into that and kind of also maybe trying to somehow be connected to the other people in the room and Mm -hmm. then just trusting that you're gonna say what needs to be said even if the other person assuming they're an adult gets a little triggered or upset by what we have to say it's okay because maybe they needed that. Mm-hmm. Triggers are triggers are opportunities. You know, it gets it gets hard when we when we get triggered because you it it creates a, a response within you. But really, when you can take five steps back from that trigger and look at it in a different way, that's where the opportunity in, lies in the in the healing. Because there's usually there's something that's coming up to be healed. Mm-hmm. 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 yeah but so since don brought up art i think we should talk yeah. about your art <laughs> <laughs> what kind what, of art do you like to do um i like to do fluid art and pore painting more than more than anything and i have a couple little things can i show on the yeah absolutely this yeah is, this is when I decided I could buy myself flowers and make myself flowers. And so these things that I have in, in my room, and I will say, you know, I said before there was no right or wrong with art. Um, And I don't think there is, but I do have a bucket of redos in my garage. (laughs) It's not to say that every time you create something, you fall in love with it, but Mm -hmm. it is to say it's more the act of trying and learning to trust yourself and learning to develop your technique. That well, that, you can do it over again. Exactly. Right. Yes. There's always a redo. Yes. There you um, go. But a lot of, a lot of my art is, it really is when I just pick the colors and kind of let it fall into place. And the thing I love about the poor painting and using the acrylics is different images come out in the art when I'm really channeled in. I've had a dragon come out in one. I've had hearts come out in others. And it's very, I had one, oh, one page, I sold it. So I, I don't have it, but there's a, it was really the first time that I kind of opened myself up to just letting it be and stop trying to, cause I am, you know, computer uh. science brain, very much left, left brain in there and let myself be. And there was written, I'm not even, oh, I wish I'll see if I can find the picture of it, but in little girl handwriting, there's the word high written like H I with a little period and it's written backwards. And I didn't even notice it when the person bought it. She was like, Oh, I want that one because it says high in there. And I was like, Oh, it does. Cause I was focused on the bigger picture. Cause I saw the heart and she's, it was like a little, a little message from my inner child saying, hello, I'm here. You know, thank you for freeing me. So it was kind of, so it's a beautiful thing when you let yeah. it flow. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I have done a little bit of fluid art and I found it a little bit frustrating because, you know, one one should think that it's quite easy, but it's not, especially if you're trying to control the process. So you really have to let it go. You have to be, you know, listening to the right kind of music. You can't listen to podcasts and or you're watching YouTube videos or whatever, because that for me, at least those things always put me in my left brain. And then I was thinking like, okay, if I la layer the colors like this, or I put the speed of the hairdryer like this or something, or I get this close to the canvas or whatever, then I'll have exactly the composition that I want. No, never, never. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> That's very true. Or you knock the hairdryer into the paint and then you, you've got, and then you're like, wait, what? There's a bubble there. And that's not what I wanted. So yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A lot of that. And I found too, even when my kids are home, I tend to not paint, which is interesting because it is a very freeing expression for me. But when I've got five little energetic beings that I'm very attached to and very intrinsically connected to, if they're coming in and out and in and out and asking me questions or doing whatever, I, I can't stay in that art mindset. So it's either after they go to bed or it's on days when they're at their dad's house. So it's interesting. And I'm still navigating that because I feel like I should be able to control that, but just kind of using the windows of opportunity where they are. And that's where it is right now. Yeah. Uh -huh. So my granddaughter comes over a lot and I can't really, I shouldn't say I can't, I do not paint my pieces when she's here, but we paint her art when she's here. I love it. I love it. Every time. And the last painting she she uh, made, um, and she's really good. I, I mean, she's four, and I love her art. I absolutely love it. But she painted, uh, she did a big canvas, and I just let her go to town. And sometimes I'll plop a few colors here and there just to give her some, you know, okay. give her the right dimensions and what have you. And then afterward it dried and she came back and I put some tape on it to make a heart and she painted again. And then we took it off and I'm telling you what she came over and she goes, where's my painting? I said, I'm, I'm shellacking it. And she goes, well, I want, it's mine. And I said, yes, she's never been so drawn to a painting as that heart painting. And then she gave it to her mom and she said, look, I made this and I put a, you know, some hanging wire on it. And I said, well, we're going to hang it right here. And she goes, no, I, I want, I'm going to take this home. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> that's amazing. Oh. <laughs> and I really did love that painting too, but yeah, <laughs> you can have it, I guess. <laughs> okay. Now you know what you're going to do next time. She'll make more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, I get almost as much joy out of doing that with her as I do painting myself. Well, you okay. know, it's really funny that you say that. It, I mean, it's not funny. It's beautifully timed because with my youngest, she definitely has that artistic um, desire. And she'd say, well, I want to paint with you. And it was, there was one day a few weeks ago where I was like, I'm going to, you can paint, you know, and I'll help you paint. And she painted a painting in that she gave her teacher and it's so funny because her teacher only knows me as being an artist. She doesn't know that I'm actually a programmer. <laughs> so it's a very, she's like, oh, you're the artist. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I am. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, having that be my outlet when they're here has been beautiful to let her create and to help her foster that creation. So yeah, I think that's wonderful that you found the same thing too. Uh -huh. Yeah. I wish we would have had more, more art supplies in my home when I was little, but I don't remember hardly anything other than regular crayons. When did you start painting and doing your art? Um, so I, I, I mean, sometimes I, I wonder, should I say restart or should I say start? <laughs> but, um, cause I did art at different stages in my life. So I remember, some things as a teenager, which were largely at school, but then I, you know, did some things at home too. And then, um, a little bit in my early twenties and then almost nothing until, um, the fall of 
late winter of 2019. Okay. And let's just say that was a little more than 20 years <laughs> later. No, I hear it. That's what I have a picture. It's funny. I had art in, in school and such, and I can remember doing different pictures and things like for my grandparents and having those hanging on the fridge. But in my mind, I didn't think I could create art. That was my perspective. And I'd done, I love monkeys and I'd done a pastel painting. I was in sixth grade. I did a pastel painting of these monkeys. And I think I was probably 25 when my mom found it. And she's like, I'm going to frame this. I'm like, mom, you don't frame that. That's ridiculous. You know, like, why are you framing that? And I have it in my front hallway now. And it's, it just goes to show, like, from my perspective, I didn't think my parents thought my art was good or thought it was whatever, but it was much more of my own perception because my mom had hung on to that painting for, you know, 15, 20 years and then got it matted and framed and was like, no, you need to have this framed. So a lot of times, you know, I think we can shut off our own light. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. happen and not and not realize it and it was yeah when I picked up the pencil again and drew something and it you know 25 years later I was like oh wow okay this I can do this <laughs> you know so a lot of things are what we're telling ourselves definitely I Just feel like I've been practicing art you know Lynn I I used to say I used to think that too like I did our art in high school I did some art in college kind of had my family um, put it on the shelf, really didn't start it again until um, a couple of years ago. And then I'm, I'm all in, but what I'm seeing now, when I look back at my timeline or, you know, everything that I've lived through in my life is, um, I really think that, um, the timing is absolutely perfect for me. I I wasn't meant to go to co college to be an artist. Mm -hmm. I I wasn't meant to, you know, pick it up any time sooner than when I did. Yeah, uh -huh. because all of the energetic life experiences, traumas, tragedies, joys celebrations that I've had along the timeline are all infused into my art now. And had I started earlier, I might not have the same energy or same type of art mm -hmm. or experience or anything that I have right now. And I did have art infused into my life, you know, crafts with the kids and plants i i've always liked plants which i think is an art form mm -hmm. um but just a different type of art you know what i mean mm -hmm. does that make sense uh -huh. makes sense yeah mm -hmm. i just feel like it's never too late to sit down and say hey i think i want to try something and just do it Exactly. Yeah. That's the big, that's the biggest thing. Cause I, I can remember being in, in Michael's and, you know, I'd picked up the pencil and drawn, but I hadn't painted anything. And I walked past a book, like a poor painting book. And I think it was like $17 or something. And I picked it up to kind of learn about different techniques. And I was 43, 44. Yeah. And I'm 45 now. So, I mean, it's, it's absolutely never too late. And I think honoring those nudges, that's your intuition calling. If you walk past something in a store and you're like, Ooh, that looks kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Do it. Try it. Uh -huh. Maybe you will have fun doing it. And maybe that's all that it is, or maybe it's something even more. I think that's right. the biggest thing is just leaning into, into those nudges of when you feel like picking up a pencil or feel like picking something up. I think it means more than what we give it credit for. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. that YouTube of that, uh, I don't know, she's like 98 years old woman that does poor painting? I think she's from Italy or something. Oh, I love it. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. She's famous. I love it. I will look it up. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah and send I think me the link and then I'll add it to the show notes. 
Okay. Yeah. I'll try to find her. Yeah. So she's, it's just so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I think the hang up for me was, I mean, twofold one, I don't know for a lot of my adult years, I just put all of my energy into my career because I just really, I think I was in a process of trying to prove my worth as a person uh, via achievement. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, I just felt really competitive and I just always wanted to be ahead. And, and so for me, if I wasn't, you know, let's say able to work, then maybe it was, you know, spending time with my husband or, you know, spending time with friends, but I didn't take time for myself ever. And then it was also partly, you know, budgetary considerations, which is ridiculous, but, you know, it seems it's hard to imagine like buying the more expensive art supplies. So I always bought the cheapest ones. Well, guess what? The cheapest ones don't work as well. They just don't. You're not going to be happy with what you make. And mm -hmm. then the other thing is like you were talking about with the age idea is that people might think like, oh, it's just silly. You know, I should have done that in my teen years or I should have done that in my 20s or whatever. It's like too late or I mean, all of those things can hold us back. But, you know, I don't see very many men complain about how much money they're spending on the golf course <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is that they're doing to relax or have fun or, you know, it's something about women that don't really want to spend money on themselves, but it's so therapeutic, mm -hmm. a lot less expensive than a trip to the mall, which, you know, malls aren't a thing anymore, but that's all, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. That's my age showing, I guess, you know, trip to the mall or, you know, I don't know the, what is it? Better help or something. I mean, it's, it's cheaper than therapy. It is. And it's a form of meditation. Also, if you know, any, anything that you can do where your mind kind of shuts off, where the worrying shuts off, if, and that's where gardening comes in and getting your hands in the dirt and just anything where you can quiet your mind and not have to think so much. That's, that's a form of meditation. People think of meditation as having to sit still and sit with your eyes closed and trying to control your thoughts. And that's really not it. It's it's giving your mind a break. And that's where art can come in when you're not as worried about the outcome of it, when you're doing it as um, as as a form of therapy. Mm -hmm. That's where I think art has massive healing benefits. You know what I was thinking, Lynn, when you were talking is um, that one time that um, Michael's had a big sale and you said to me, go out and buy that big canvas. And um, I had to borrow a truck to go get it. And I painted a, a huge painting, which I still have. People like it, but they haven't bought it yet. Yet. Um, but I had a huge hang up about paying all that money for a canvas. And then all of a sudden I thought of, you know what? How many times do people go out to dinner? Yeah. Like how many times, okay, you go out to dinner to a fancy schmancy restaurant, you don't think nothing. You don't think anything about spent dropping a hundred bucks, right? Yeah. But uh -huh. yet, but yet, oh, I can't, I'm not going to buy that canvas. It's way too expensive. Or if they're even with an energetic exchange for our art. Uh, I, yeah, I just don't want to spend that. It's too much. But yet, we'll go out to eat. We'll go to a concert and spend hundreds of bucks. I mean, and and it's done. You go, it's done. Mm -hmm. The art is, is timeless. So it that really helped shift my whole thinking when you when you said go get that canvas, and I did. It was a huge shift for me. Yeah. I'm glad. And thank you for the reframe because, yeah, I forgot how expensive it is to go out and eat. But, yeah. you know, people justify that because they're like, well, it's an experience. Well, guess what? Making art is an experience. Yes. Yes, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that really helped me with, oh gosh, I'm spending all this money on this art and what if nobody buys it? Um, but it, it helped reframe my thinking around that too. Well, so what? Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind going to a concert or going out to eat and that's, that's one and done. Okay. So why, why am I concerned about that's so true. reselling this art? Why should that concern yeah. me? Yeah, I, that's beautiful. That reframe. That's beautiful. Yes. That helps me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's, it's basically that. an investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. But it's an investment in yourself. Yes. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. And I like what you said me. about I like what you said about buying the um expensive quality art materials, Lynn. Yeah. Yeah, they're just easier to work with. And I had to learn that the hard way. But um yeah, the investment in the art supplies, whether it be the canvas or the materials, you know, and the experience, you know, it's an investment in yourself because you get to have the experience, but it's also an investment in your business. And you never know one day, you know, when it's going to sell or you, maybe you make prints or maybe because that's a big one. Maybe there's like photographs that you do of like smaller sections of the painting that you use on your website or you repurpose into, I don't know, affirmation cards or whatever. I mean, it's all Mm -hmm. really good. That's what I have one of my paintings as the background on my phone. Mm -hmm. That I just took a, you know, I mean, it's not a professional painting. It's not done with, you know, it's just done with my iPhone, but it's Mm -hmm. my reminder on there. Anytime I go to look at my phone of what I've created. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just and, kind of. And how does that make you feel when you look at that? Oh, it feels so good. It makes my little inner girl go like, "Oh, yay! We're doing what we want to do." <laughs> yeah, we're doing that's it. cool. So, yeah, I wanted to ask if you thought about doing, um, let's say, energy work or healing work with painting with people. Um. Yes. Absolutely. Because I do believe that it is therapy and healing is therapy. So I believe that they are connected. I have not used it as a modality yet, but I like that idea. I like it very much. I can really see that in your future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I like that. We'll, we'll be fast forwarding a month from now and I'll be like, hey, do you remember on the podcast when I suggested this? And then I'll have this whole stream of things like, yes. And I started doing it. I, like I think that. it's a great business idea. You know, like one of my favorite places to go in town is um, with my daughter is one of these pottery painting places. Mm-hmm. You know, you paint the pottery and then they fire it for you and then you pick it up and you have something. And mm-hmm. I think to have a place where you could go and do fluid art because you could, you know, more or less, people could do it fairly easily if it if they had the place to go. But, yes. you know, not everybody's going to set up all of the stuff that you need to set up in order to not ruin your house. <laughs> That's what my garage is for. <laughs> Except me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But take yeah. it from me. You can you can definitely do it. Um because I've had a couple fluid art painting parties um, and people love them. That's love such them. a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause, and it is, it's even if you just have the right, just have the supplies there for people and let them see what they can create. I think right. would be such an amazing experience. Uh-huh. It is. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's Yay, ladies. I love that. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I think that might go on my list. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, there's, I'm just, my mind is just going crazy on like all the things that you could do, like with the process, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to yeah. like, no, it's on your mind. <laughs> I don't know, but like, you know, I don't know. You could infuse meditation with it and you could infuse, I don't know, like sometimes people use those marbles or those chains. But they pull mm-hmm. through the paint. I don't yeah. know. Maybe 
you know, there's some kind of symbolism with the beads, you know, you could have like chakra colored beads or chakra colors, you know, in the paint or, you know, it, I think it's a huge opportunity. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. I love Sky's it. The limit. Yeah. I want to do all the things. <laughs> we are doing all the things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are yeah. doing all the things. I love that. So where do you see yourself going from here? Oh, the sky's the limit. Um, <laughs> I see myself just reaching more and more people. That's what I want to do. I want to help people find the magic in their too muchness because that's one of the gifts I've always had um, is that I, I see people whole. Um, it's something ever since I was a little girl, people have been kind of sharing their, their darkest thoughts with me. And I, it took a, a bit to understand what a gift that was, but I, I see people for their, I see them whole and I see myself going in directions to help people feel that within themselves. Awesome. So, yeah. It's a very art, artfully infused life. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd like to know more about what you what you mean by the too muchness. I mean, is this like a female specific thing that, you know, we always feel like we are too much and we need to quiet down or something else? I've seen it in a lot of men too. Um, so I don't think it's gender specific, but yes, the, the too muchness is it's lit. It could be related to anything. People who feel like they talk too much or people who feel like they worry too much or think too much or they're too sensitive, or they're too this or too that. And it's when you get to a place where you feel, I think being in alignment, as people call it, or fully embodying yourself is when you you find that that too muchness is really your magic. Because mm. it's what makes you you. And it's you're not too much. I mean, it, it not to go back to Goldilocks, but you know, I mean, you, we are all literally just right. It's we're exactly who we need to be, but it's when we try and I think mask the too muchness. Like I used to kind of, I would, would feel like I was too sensitive. So I would just shut down my emotions from the opposite direction. Cause it was, cause I was told I was too sensitive and I took that the wrong way or took it whatever way when really a lot of it was self-reflection for what I felt about myself. And so once I got to a place of healing those parts of me, I'm not too sensitive. I'm actually very empathic for other people and can help them in that way because I can put myself in their shoes. Does that answer your question? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. uh-huh. That can be gender specific though. Yeah. I feel like um I mean men get hit with that a lot more than women even. No, don't cry. You yes. Cry. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing is, is those, those feelings, those emotions, they, they end up like pockets kind of trapped in yourself mm -hmm. when you stifle that down, whether you're, yeah, with not crying or not worrying or not anytime, anytime you're trying to stop your brain from thinking, don't do this, you're creating essentially a pocket in you that is trapping energy that can't, you know, so that things can't flow the way that they're intended to flow. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Or never speaking of something again. Yes. Uh -huh. Yes. And the, and those blocks, I mean, they do, they become energetic blocks and they can, they're passed down ancestrally. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can see certain things in the genealogical line of things that happened, you know, eons ago. And it, it doesn't have to be a non-tangible thing, talking about different genealogical lines and things being passed. I have, I was always terrified of escalators, not to the point where I couldn't go on escalators. I mean, I could go, but I had to have a hand on the rail, never fallen on an escalator. No idea why perfectly, you know, I'm in good shape. I can handle steps and teach workout classes, but I just couldn't do escalators to, and even one time when I was with my kids, there were, I had four under four. And I think at this time I only had three. And I had a stranger that helped me carry my other child because I was trying to carry two child, two children 
and had a hand on the rail and I couldn't get the hand of my third child. You know, I found out this past summer from my aunt that my great, great aunt, it was my great, great aunt, maybe just one great, she was terrified of escalators. Uh. I never knew that. I never knew that. And it's one of the, it was imprinted, uh, Some an incident happened to her on the escalator and that gave her the fear, but I inherited that fear, mm -hmm. which was just kind of a mind blowing thing when I was like, oh, well, I just thought I was always afraid of escalators. <laughs> I didn't know why, but it came from somebody in my family who had that fear. Mm -hmm. I see that same thing in my family with uh, fear of heights. I'm not afraid of heights, mm -hmm. but my husband is deathly afraid of heights. Mm -hmm. And some of my kids are mm -hmm. deathly afraid of heights too. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. huh. Talk it's about just, cords. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Energetic cords. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I have this book and I'm going to have to find it um, by Neil Douglas Klotz. And he was, um, he's a Sufi Muslim, I believe. And he's um, a linguistic and he translated the Lord's prayer in, um, the earliest language, like before the King James Version. I forget oh. what the language is, but it's the earliest language. Mm -hmm. And part of the prayer um, where it says, um, forgive my trespasses or whatever, um, that translation is release the cords that bind me. <gasps> wow. 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 I just got goosebumps all over. I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I have to find the book. I'm a book junkie and it's here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's very profound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes you think. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Do you have anything else that you want to add or share? Just that we all have the power to heal Where, wherever you are, wherever anybody is who's listening to this, no matter how much you're hurting or what your past is or decisions you've made, mistakes you think you've made, it's you have the power to, to heal through whatever modality you choose. <laughs> but it is possible for your days to be better. And that's my biggest thing is that I just want to know people to know that it is possible and that everything is temporary. That's the bigger thing. Whenever I'm going through a harder time, I, I will write down this is temporary because it feels so permanent when you're in it. And it, it's not, right. it's not. So yeah. Yeah. And thank you. Yeah. Ladies, for having me on here without having met me or known anything or whatever. When Dawn said she was doing a podcast, I was like, I want to do it. I don't know what it is, but I want to do it. Figure <laughs> <laughs> this out, but I want to do it. <laughs> so. We're so glad you came. Yeah. And and shared your heart with us. And it was really powerful. So thank you very yeah. much. Thank you. Yeah, I think some of these longer pauses, which I'll probably edit some of them out, but just really have to do with the fact that it takes, you know, it takes a moment to think and digest some of the things that you're saying because mm -hmm. just so good. And yeah. I totally agree with you. Uh, we can all heal. Um, I do think that, you know, there's something about the habits and especially the thinking um, habits really have to shift and change. Um, and I think that's the hardest part. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's possible. Yeah. Right. It's definitely possible. Thank you for that beautiful reminder. And thank you for sharing your art and your story and so much wisdom. And and let me know when you start this uh fluid art healing uh side hustle or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yes, I will. I will, I will. <laughs> I awesome. All right. All right. Well, thank you, I ladies, so much. I really uh, 
So really hope that you enjoyed that episode with Anne. I know I did. And I've listened to the episode a couple of times as I've gone through um, and done a little bit of editing and finalizing the episode. So a little heads up, we are working hard on bringing the podcast to a new format. We're not going to leave behind the audio format, but we are going to add video format and it is so exciting a little tiny bit nerve-wracking to <laughs> record the conversations with video but we are working hard on that and learning all the ins and outs of the different tools that are available and eventually we'll make the podcast available um, through Spotify because they also support um, video format in addition to audio format and eventually we'll get on to YouTube because, well, yeah, why not? So really hope that you um, continue to um, listen and support the show. We would love to have any kind of comments or reviews that you can leave for us. We would also love it if you could share the episode with a couple of your friends. Um, you know, just hit like copy um the to share the episode link to somebody um and or add it to your social media and tell people what you're listening to we would just so much appreciate this we are doing this podcast just because it's just fun and we just really want to lift people up especially um you know a lot of these newer artists that you know we're we're so wide open to all these new experiences and it's just incredible to see how healing art is and to just really spread those um those inspirations to people who are you know maybe on the healing journey themselves and you know maybe still looking for you know something new and i just want to share um all the good things and just really hope that it inspires somebody. Anyway, I hope that you enjoy the episode and I hope you have a really wonderful week. Take care.